You can turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians. It's going to be chapter 15. Kind of mark that. We'll be coming to that here in a minute. What a uh, wonderful thing it is to be praising our Lord together. What unifying acts that we're doing here today in our worship, reading God's word in one mind, seeking him, collectively bringing our thanks and our petitions to him through prayer, expressing ourselves as one by singing together, partaking of the Lord's memorial supper, remembering him. It undeniably shows the importance of coming together for worship. I'm glad to see you all here and be doing it with you. Today I wanted us to study and consider uh, one of our ultimate goals, the ultimate goal. It's very easy sometimes to get caught up in life and to live it like we're not going to die, that we're going to be here forever. We lose sight. Psyched, we lose our focus on that goal, and we do that. On occasion, we uh, have to deal with the death of a loved one, and that, uh, or a, or a friend that passes away. We might even have a near-death experience, and that brings the reality of death to the forefront of our minds. But even that typically is temporary and fades away. Yeah, it's interesting because we, as a people, fear death. I think it's typically associated with that fear of the unknown. So right now I want us to take a break from the world, its worries, its distractions, its hecticness, running around with our busy schedules. And I want to take a peek behind the veil today. We're going to peek behind it using the promises that we were given about what awaits us at the end of our journey, our true home. While we're doing that, I want us to familiarize ourselves with it. I want us to take hold tight of God's promises and cherish them. By doing so, we defeat the reason to have that phobia, that fear of death. And by doing that, that gives us the ability to live and to die in peace. Uh, peace that God gives us. It is interesting, though. There's not a lot in the Bible about heaven. We see a lot about the, the kingdom of heaven, the citizenry of heaven, about its people. Uh, there's not a lot of information about heaven. And just like everything that, uh, that God does, I'm sure there are multiple layers of reasoning behind that. Uh, a, a few of them. One could be that a journey... The journey that we're doing is so important that we should be focusing on that as, as heaven being our end goal. Another is no matter how many words we can use to explain it, no matter how many ideas or concept, it's so hard for us to comprehend, to wrap our minds around. And while another could be is that we don't need to know a whole lot about it. He has given us enough and what, uh, what we have here. So uh, the first question I'd like to kind of address um, kind of quickly is where is heaven? That's kind of a 
a brief one that comes up. And obviously, it's a hard question to answer. Uh, when reading the scriptures about heaven, it's good to understand that heaven is mentioned in three different ways. Uh, there's the first heaven, which is the earth's atmosphere. It's the sky where the birds fly. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. 8, verse 2, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10, and Luke 13, verse 9. And then we have the second heaven that's mentioned, and that's outer space, uh, where the sun, the moon, and the stars, the rest of the universe extends to. And that's in Genesis chapter 15, where it's referenced, verse 5, chapter 22, verse 17, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19. And Nahum, chapter 3, verse 16. And then we have the third heaven that's mentioned in a scripture. That is the spiritual realm where God and other celestial beings reside. We see that in Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verse 14. 26, chapter, uh, still in Deuteronomy, 26, verse 15. And we also see it in 1 Kings, chapter 8, verse 27, and verse 30. In Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 through 4, we see uh, Paul describing an experience of he or someone that he knew going up into the third heaven, and that's paradise that's referred to there, that uh, waiting place before heaven. So we uh, read throughout the Bible the difference between the spiritual realm and the physical realm, which again seems obvious, but it needs to be clarified while we're talking about this subject. In 1 Corinthians, with your, in your Bibles, if you turn with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we want to read uh, verse 40 through 44. <clears throat> That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 40 through 44. It says, There are celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And you can continue on and talk more about that, but I wanted to focus on those verses right now, showing that difference between the physical and the spiritual. In uh, sticking in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, though, I would like to jump down to verse 50. Just a couple verses down. It says, now I, and we're going to be reading verse 50 through 58. It says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the incorruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, 
then we shall be brought to the pass that is saying, uh, the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Haiti, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Lord Jesus Christ. So again, we see that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And we shall all be, all be changed very quickly to an immortality, immortal, excuse me, body, um, where death and Hades will have no power. I also wanted to flip over to 2 Corinthians. Sorry, 2 Peter. We're already in 2 Corinthians. 2 Peter, chapter 3. And Second Peter chapter three will be in verse seven through fifteen. It says, "But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing: that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise." as some count slightness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy uh, conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, <clears throat> being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which the righteousness, the righteousness shall dwell. So we see here that, again, that physical, this physical stuff is going to be done away with. Quickly, and in fire, nothing will survive. We also see that uh, time is a part of creation, uh, and God is outside of time, which is also reinforced in Revelation chapter one, just a few books over, verse eight. He says, "I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end," says the Lord. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. It also talks about how eternal he is, immortal. <clears throat> we see that, um, again, he's outside of time. And so is the place that he's created for us. Time is part of creation. Flip over to Philippians. And in Philippians, it's going to be chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. 
our citizenship, again, is in heaven, and we will be transformed. That's a great thought. And, brethren, I can't tell you how much I wait for that. I can't wait for that. I'm sure you guys are in the same same thought. Uh, these physical bodies are such a pain. Uh, and literally, they're a pain. The aches, the pains, uh, the weaknesses of it, bad eyesight, sicknesses, cancer, even just regular maintenance of it while it deteriorates. And that doesn't even mention the smell of it. <laughs> it's going to be great, and I can't wait for that day. We should continue to hasten that day. Now, with time, uh, going back to time being part of creation um, and God being outside of it, our heavenly home, again, is eternal. That heaven is not governed by time also, and those bodies that we get will be amazing. Uh, which is another part of heaven I'm looking forward to, is being outside of time. Uh, I always seem to be late, so that would be great not to worry about that. Uh, always seem to be short on time. So coming back to where, uh, that's a difficult answer. Um, but we see that where is a spiritual realm, not a, not a physical one like um, sometimes is taught in the world. God has given us some examples of the physical realm, but examples of the spiritual realm using the physical realm, but those are only shadows of what are, what are to come. And we see that often, and he mentions that in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 through 5. Something to think about that's also a, kind of a misconception that comes up is what heaven, what's heaven going to be like? <clears throat> it's typically portrayed as boring. Every time you see somebody portray heaven in, in the world, it, you, you think that's heaven? That's what you think heaven is? That sounds terrible. And it's, it's interesting to me because, I mean, granted, they make it magnificent looking, but you think you're going to do that for eternity? Uh, is, that, is that what heaven looks like? I don't think so. And it's interesting because there are so many um, things that are enjoyable in this life that God has created us, this temporary life. And um, Him making this temporary life for us, this temporary world, this temporary universe for us, and all the amazing things in it, and we think that the heaven that God's going to make for us, the perfect place, is going to be less than that? When we think about heaven, we should be thinking about all the amazing things in this world and just multiplying them to where we can't even grasp it. Another question kind of comes up is, what are we going to do for eternity? That's a long time. Um, I can't even imagine living like they did in the beginning of the Bible for hundreds and hundreds of years. Methuselah almost being a thousand years old. I couldn't, I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine eternity. Again, that's something our brain just can't grasp. They can't comprehend. I don't know if you've ever sat and tried to understand, uh, eternity. Not being limited by time. That's all we're controlled by right now. Again, we're told that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2, that it's eternal house. Uh, that our house is going to be eternal. 
Again, that's a, that's a great thought, and I thank God for that. I want to flip over to John. In John 14, chapter uh, 2, sorry, verse 2 through, chapter 14, verse 2 through 4. Well, let's go and start in verse 1. It says, let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So Jesus has given us... Well, I finished verse 4 like I said I would. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Again, we are told about Jesus going and preparing a place for us. Again, that brings back the imagery of the Jewish culture where the groom uh, has, of course, he's getting ready for his bride. He's going, getting his house ready, uh, making sure he has money to provide for his bride. And he comes and retrieves her when, it's, when the, the, that's ready to be done. So it's bringing that imagery back to us. And uh, Jesus is doing that for us right now. And it's many rooms... Like we are told, he wants everyone to be saved. He has room for everyone. But yet it's a narrow gate that we have to go through, that we have to follow. It's a narrow path that we need to follow. Uh, Speaking of marriage, that, that concept of marriage, in Luke chapter 20, it should probably be addressed also about heaven. Verse 30 through 36. 34 through 36. Uh, here Jesus is being questioned by the Sadducees. They're testing him by asking him a ridiculous question about people being married multiple times and who's going to be um, married in heaven. And they're doing that because they don't believe in the afterlife. And they're trying to trip him up on the answer. And so uh, Jesus addresses that. And that's Luke 20, 34 through uh, 36. And Jesus answered them and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore. For they are equal to the angels and the sons, and are the sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So we see here that uh, marriage, on this and during this life, has a purpose. Uh, but for the afterlife, that those purposes, that reasons, are not needed, and we are going to be all together in heaven, equally. With that relationship with each other. Uh, the other account is in Mark chapter 12. I'm not going to read it, but it, it's the same account. Mark chapter 12, verse 24 through 25, that, that uh, uses some different wordings, but the same concept about the marriage. So I also want to see, uh, turn over to Ephesians. In Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter 1. 
verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to transition to, uh, it reads, Blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has been blessed, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us, chose us in him from the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Of course, you, that's a long sentence. You can keep on reading through there, but... Um, we have been given spiritual blessings in the heavenly places because of Jesus when we, when we uh, put him on. And they are characteristics of God's people. There are, um, I'm sorry, there's a, that's part of what waits for us there is those things that we have through Christ, those spiritual blessings. So there, we see that there's things in this life that we do that help us prepare for the next life. And I want to flip over to Colossians. You might ask, what, what things help us prepare? And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17, we see some of those characteristics um, that help us prepare us for the next life. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do also. You must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God, of Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing grace with your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the God of the Father through him. So we see... Um, characteristics here that help us prepare for that next life. They help prepare us for the afterlife, which really should be called the beginning of life, right? <clears throat> so, uh, again, thinking about... Some people talk about... Um, heaven as just going and worshiping God all the time, and they don't look favorable on that, and they think that might be boring. And again, when we get to heaven, I don't know all that we're going to do. God hasn't given us indication on what all he expects us to do. But praising him is one thing that we do see uh, in in any views of heaven. And that's because he deserves it. Right? We're going to be so thankful by the time we get there, uh, we won't be able to help but praise God because of all that he's done for us. Sometimes when I pray, I feel like a broken record uh, because every time um, when considering all that he's done for us, I can't help but thank him continuously. Uh, it's just overwhelming when you, cont- when you uh, sit and you count your blessings. And those are the blessings that we know about. Uh, once we... 
aren't limited in our knowledge by these physical bodies. We'll have a bigger picture of all that he's done through us, throughout history, throughout our own lives, throughout our, the generations before us lives, and the generations after. So you might be getting to the point where you think, um, well, I want to kind of transition into how to prepare for heaven. We, we talked a little bit about how to prepare And when thinking about who, who, who will be there, who is going to be in heaven, actually, is a question that comes before that in my mind. Okay, so we see some things about heaven, and the thought is, who's going to be there? We, we know the answers to that, but I want to look at those answers anyways as for confirmation. Obviously, we, we know that Christ is there. We see uh, any scene of heaven that Christ is there being seated right next to God and with everyone being there being subject to him. And again, that's, that's deserved. In Revelation, in Revelation uh, chapter 20, Verse 11. And thankfully, Tony has already done a full um, series of lessons on this, which gives you a great indication of how to study and look at Revelation. So I'd suggest if you missed that or you need a refresher, to go look those up. And those were done about uh, about January timeline in the... Uh, in the um, where they're recorded on our website. So in Revelation verse uh, beginning of verse 11, we see a portrait of heaven. And it reads, "Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God." Books were open, and I saw, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, and by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So again, we're getting that that portrait of the final judgment before the great white throne of God. And everyone is there. The waiting places uh, that were allotted for us after we die before the judgment gave up all the contents of of the people that were in it. And we all stand before the... The, the, before the judgment of God and according to his works are, they, are each one of them judged each one of us judged so all those who are written in the book of life enter into heaven 
If you flip over to Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, we'll see an indication of who is in that book. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we see that uh, those who overcome this life are written in that book. Those who Jesus are wa- those who are washed in Jesus' blood, he will confess their name before heaven, before God, and before his angels in heaven. When will we go to heaven? Um, when will it come? And really, that question is is pointless. Um, in fact, it shouldn't even be up for speculation because in Matthew 25, verse 36, we see that Jesus himself said that at that time no one knows, not even the angels or himself. We should, like we talked about before, um, working and focusing on heaven, preparing for heaven. We don't know when we're going to die. We don't know when God's going to call us all home. So just a few thoughts on about what we should be doing to prepare ourselves. We have examples in Matthew. Um, in Matthew 25, we see multiple parables about how we should be preparing. We see the faithful servant versus the one who said his master uh, said his master would be, would be delayed. So, and since his master was delayed, he beat fellow servants. Uh, getting money out of them and eating and drinking until the master arrives. He wasn't expecting it. He wasn't acting righteously, uh, preparing for his master to arrive. And in chapter 25, verse 1 through 13, we see the parable about the virgins that were bringing, um, some brought, they all brought oil for their lamps, preparing for the bridegroom and the bride. Some didn't bring enough because they thought they had just enough for them to arrive, but they weren't. They didn't come when they were expecting, so they didn't have enough, and they left. And so they weren't let, let into the wedding feast. And then uh, on in verse 14 through 29, we see the parable of the talents, and how those who uh, used their talents for God, well, in this case, their master, um, they were rewarded. But when they, the one who didn't, who hid it until his master came back, uh, was not. He was not ready. Over in Matthew, still, if you actually turn your, if you turn your Bibles over there, I want to read uh, Matthew verse, we're still in verse 25, along with all those parables. And verse 31 through uh, 44. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, 
and he will sit on the throne of glory, of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and, will, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set his sheep on his right, and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the throne on his right, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then he addresses the goats in the same fashion. And I want to jump down to verse 44. Um, actually, verse 45. And he will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to the least one of these... You did it. Uh, you did not do it to me, and these will go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteousness into eternal life. Again, we see that that day of judgment. Uh, pretty important. Something that we should always keep our mind on is what how to how to prepare for that day. We see in Matthew chapter six that where we lay up our treasures indicate where we're going to go. We lay up our treasures in heaven, it will be eternal. We lay up our treasures on this earth, and it will be temporary. We see that uh, in John chapter 5, that life and judgment are through Jesus. He can either give life, or when you're judged, he won't be there to, he will, he will judge you because you won't uh, have put him on in Christ. And it also tells us in John chapter 5 that an hour is coming. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and will be raised. Now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to get ready to meet our Creator. We should, uh, again, continually look to prepare for God and meeting Him. Uh, if you haven't put on Christ... Uh, they, we always say that the water's the water's here. They, I've never seen this thing empty. Um, they've always had water in it, ready to to uh, baptize whoever needs their sins washed away, uh, and have put on Christ, and accept that that covenant with Him, the new covenant. You know, repenting of your sins, confessing Jesus as Lord, that He has all authority that God has given Him, and be baptized into His death. The motivation for that day should be, our motivation should be to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's going to be, that's going to be great to hear when he tells us to enter into the joy of your master. Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I cannot wait till that day comes and to see, hopefully you all there. Thank you for uh, your time and, and again, worshiping and and studying with us. Uh, Let us come and sing more praise to our Father. And if there's need from anyone, prayers, support, um, you can ask now, you can ask later, but please ask. Thank you.